Network, and they uh, are taking on the uh, San Francisco Giants. Uh, set for seven forty-five. We'll have it right here. Julio Arias. 2-0 with a 1.50 ERA versus Logan Webb. Uh, Dodgers lost 3 of 4 to the D-backs in Arizona and allowed 30 runs in the series. Unusual for the Dodger pitching staff. I didn't realize Julio Ariz, uh, Joe O'Neill as, as Sam Hauser, as I mentioned, uh, he, he hasn't actually been as sharp as I thought he would, but you know, you look at his, his record 2-0 and and his ERA 1.50, so... I guess that's a result of you know him going six seven innings, allowing I think two runs or in each of his starts. But anyway, you cut it. I think this is going to be tough for the Dodgers. You know, having to regroup at a you know what happened in Arizona and then um, going on to San Francisco. So uh, it's a uh, series opener for the Dodgers in San Francisco. We love those games anytime. Anytime. Um, but we're going to start. With the Masters, John Rahm, uh, the winner of this year's Masters, uh, he and Brooks Kepka in the final pairing, as good as it gets, uh, outside maybe Rory and just Jordan Spieth or whatever was going on uh, around the course. But you had your two leaders uh, head-to-head in the final round after all the weather issues. They completed the third round on Sunday morning, so they actually started the final round right on time. So regardless of what I was thinking last Thursday, as bad as it looked for both Friday and Saturday, they ended up getting it in. I thought it was going to go to a Monday. It didn't. And, um, you know, John Rahm proved why he's the best player in the world, even though, you know, he, he, I, I'm wanting drama when I'm watching my Masters. And the only drama was whether... Kepka or Rom was going to take first. That was really the only drama. And then, you know, Kepka continued uh, to just fall further and further. Rom kind of held steady there and made a couple of key birdies there uh, to um, to win the Masters. So um, he ends up uh, minus 12 for the tournament. Uh, Kepka and Phil Mickelson. Yes, that Phil Mickelson uh, tied for second uh, at minus eight. And then uh, tied for fourth, Jordan Spieth. And Patrick Reed, as well as uh, Russell Henley. So, uh, all in all, like I said, Sam, I'm more into you know it. It, it you know it, it, uh, it. It really didn't seem like Rom was being pushed, but you knew in those last eleven holes that if he you know lets one drive get a little bit loose on him. Uh, things could get really interesting. He didn't do that. The Masters is not, uh, compared to some of these other majors, one of the things the Masters is not, especially with the precision of these guys nowadays, is like it's not the hardest driving um, It's not the hardest driving course uh, amongst all the majors. Uh, you know, the, the cha- challenging shots are the ones into the green and around the green, which Rom excels at. But, you know, for the most part, he kept the ball out of the trees is what I'm saying. And that's really all you have to do at that point because that that's Sunday at the Masters is who's going to eat it. Who's going to eat it and who's going to just have to play par golf. I'm with you when, when there's about, I think there was like four holes. I think Rom's got a four-shot lead with four holes to go. At that point, it starts to be somewhat anticlimactic because you know that he's probably, I mean, all you have to do is just 
be a professional golfer. I mean, you don't even have to be a professional golfer. I mean, you I, I could probably put you out there with a four-shot lead with four holes to go, and I think John Rahm might still get the green jacket. You know, all you have to do is not mess up. So it's a little bit anticlimactic. The story of him and Brooks Kepka in particular, two of the two of the, uh, of the longest hitters on tour, the both of them could hit it as far as anybody on earth. Knowing that the two of them were in, were in the last grouping was was pretty exciting. But it was also a reminder of what we saw towards the end with with Brooks before he went to the PGA Tour. Brooks is such an interesting guy because the whole impression that he gave, and it seemed like part of the reason why he even went to live, was he was he, he didn't seem interested in golf. He doesn't. I mean, he he see. I mean, he obviously he's incredibly talented. He's incredibly athletic. But you can be talented and athletic and good at something without actually enjoying it. And it, it kind of brought us right back to where we were before he left and went off and did his own thing. It just he, seems like that's that's just kind of the way he goes about. Yeah, and I think he does go about it where where you do wonder about his love for the game. I mean, some of these guys get choked up, and you never think you'd see Brooks Kepka. And then you tied it into you know going to live. He was asked a question, and I don't know what day it was. Maybe it was even before the Masters that you know about his health because he'd had really bad knee injuries. Right. Uh, and people said, had you not had those knee injuries, would your decision to have gone to live been any different? And he said, maybe, uh, quite honestly. So, mm. yeah, I, I I think that that he's a, a different cat, and he, um, you know, he's also he's also said, I don't have the quote in front of me, but just something about you know the athletes of golf, you know, or, or he questioned the athleticism, I think, of golfers, which. I don't think there's any purpose. We do know that he was an exceptional athlete. We heard stories about having opportunities to play baseball at Florida State, and you know the way he, you know, he he um, he, he carries himself out there. You could see him not only playing baseball, but probably some other sports too. Let me ask. Let me yeah. ask you because the story, you know, obviously the, the, at the very forefront of this, the story is John Rom wins another major. He continues on the ascension. But if I was to say the biggest story of the tournament was actually Phil shooting a 65 to take second, asinine or not asinine? You know, there were a couple of big stories, okay? Um, you know, you have Rom winning, winning it on the uh, 40th anniversary of Seve Ballesteros winning it, and supposedly the reason that Rom even picked up golf was his parents were so motivated by watching Seve Ballesteros win the Masters that, you know, it all translated in domino effect into him being a golfer. Uh, I think it was also on uh, Ballesteros' birthday, uh, you know, the late Sebi Ballesteros' birthday. Um, obviously, Easter was in there. But then after, you know, you just give credit where credit is due with Rom winning, then the other storylines were, amongst other things, you had the weather, you had a fallen tree that is amazing that nobody was injured. That all happened at the tail end of Friday's show when we had PGA uh, professional Bill Harvey in studio with us, and and you know watching that uh, that cover the the clip of that of that tree. I think there were three of them that fell over. Like the fact that they had blown the horn like a couple hours before uh, for one delay, I think a, a a decent percentage of people decided you know to leave and you know not thinking they resume again. So number one, you had less people than would have normally been there since if they hadn't had the first delay. But even with that, 
you know that the fact that nobody got hurt uh, was incredible, thankfully. And how about the uh, the the superintendent and all the the crew there with uh, the Augusta National Golf Course getting you know those trees cleaned up so that like the next day it was like you'd never known what, if anything had happened. You know they're out there in the wind and the rain and all this other stuff. It looked like a bunch of na- uh, of a- ants, you know, working on that. Uh, and then. Another storyline is Phil Mickelson. You wanted to say something real quick. Well, just it, it's the whole story of you know if a tree falls at a no, no, it didn't. <laughs> nope, the, 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 that's not a thing that happened. You, you just made that up right now. Nope, nothing fell. Everything's 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 beautiful. Yeah, if you come back the next day, but they were. I, I mean, that was a, a whole scene. You got a guy yeah. running up with an air horn, blowing it in everybody's face. You got the the storm sirens and the loudspeakers on the course going off. I mean. It was. I mean, not to downplay the storm that they were that they were dealing with, but it was as if Augusta was about to disappear. And, and you, you know, like, and then you heard people saying they need to make sure to test all of the um, of uh, of these trees before they allow. You know, there were some people saying that people shouldn't be allowed in because the rest of the tournament until the I you know the people. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it seems a little bit drastic, and that it didn't happen, thankfully. But the last place you would figure that like trees would still be around that had any chance of falling would be at Augusta National. So anyway, uh, that you know that and you, you know the thing about the, the the video of the tree falling that came from the cameras there covering the tournament because right. as we know you can't tell take cell phones into the masters so it wasn't like a, a patron then don't call them fans uh, a patron had had his his uh, cell phone out i mean it was from the video from that hole or one of the it was at the 17t uh but okay so you had that storyline uh which was kind of attached to the weather uh, you got the ROM thing, which is the biggest storyline that he won. But you're absolutely right. Right behind all of that is this whole, you know, Phil Mickelson uh, run that he made yesterday. Unbelievable, Sam. Three of the top five finishers end up being live guys. We start on Thursday, and Kevin Na bails after nine holes, and and I was thinking. You know this. This is about right. It's such a different level of competition that these guys aren't going to be able to handle it. And then, sure enough, you end up with three of the the top five being uh, guys who still get to play. All these guys get to play in all the majors. That that is still the case. They get to play in all the majors, Masters included, where you have Phil in second, Phil and Brooks tied for second, and then Patrick Reed right there tied for for fourth with Jordan Spieth as well. I, I, I think you know we, we kind of started getting to this. Uh, where even though these guys are playing a different style with with live when you're when you are already the t- one of the top golfers in the world anyway you're probably still going to be one of the top golfers in the world and they put that on display at at the masters back to rom though this is where we've seen a lot of the guys before him really start to to taper off when you get the one major and now you got the masters and he's got all these top 5 finishes in between every time we get super excited about one of these guys whether it was Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, even Brooks before the before the knee injury right when we first start to really get excited about him is when they start to taper off it does seem like just whether it's the story or the fact that he started out over in Europe, and it was such a, I mean, he was relatively unknown until 
you couldn't ignore him anymore. It just seems like the the run that John Rahm is is on is different as a personality. It's different. There's nothing that we've seen so far that says, okay, now he's going to be the next one. Who's that? John Rahm. I I totally disagree. This, This guy was a phenom. Uh, he played as an amateur in the Waste Management Open, I think, in 2015 or 16. That's when uh, Brooks Kepka won the Waste Management. And Phil Mickelson, who was familiar with the Arizona State, that's where he went. He, he at that time, said, you're looking at a guy who's going to be the, the number one player in the world one of these days. Uh, and... Yeah, he he's a protege. He was one of the, you know there were three guys that were favored to win the Masters above everybody else. It was Kepka, Shoffley, and McElroy. Okay, McElroy was done, and sure enough, the one of the other two was the one that won. I I, I can see Rom uh, like winning. He's he's still young, and he I could see him winning a, a while. For, oh, I can I can too. I I guess what I'm getting at is. Over the last, you know, a few a few years back, you can go back to what you mentioned. We had, you know, we've been hearing about John Rahm, but there's a there are the steps along the way. Of, you know, you're hearing about the upside, then he's winning, then he has to keep winning. I'm saying John Rahm seems like the guy. That, I mean, th- there's nothing based on past experience that says he should be different, but John Rahm looks like the guy more than the others that has the be- has that potential to keep winning. Agreed. Okay, so real quick though, uh, you asked about Phil Mickelson. Uh, like how uh, here you have one of the most other than Tiger if you take Tiger out Mickelson is the most well-known golfer in the last 30 years still looking svelte yeah well not even still looking more svelte than he had in a while yeah. uh you know he's he had real bad issues with arthritis and obviously you know taking care of himself is also going to result in uh, getting uh, better from an arthritis standpoint. But, um, you know, this is one of the most beloved guys ever. I mean, when he was playing at U.S. Open in Shinnecock, like the, the New Yorkers fell in love with him, even though he was from Southern California. And I noticed, you know, he really kind of was low-key. They didn't show him that often on TV, and I no. don't know if it was because... It was like at times that were a little bit weird. Uh, he he had a little bit of a dip uh, throughout the tournament before he made this huge charge yesterday. Uh, but you know here he was on this roll, and we got to see him. You know he's wearing the sunglasses every day, even in the rain. He's got the shades on. But the emotion he put into those fist pumps there when he finished at at minus eight, I think he he knew how hard the the course was playing, and I think. He was like saying, you know, I might have a chance at, at either winning this thing or having a playoff. But the video that showed him making that putt on 18 after he'd had that kind of a 18-hole run, uh, you saw in the crowd it wasn't that same rejoicing for Phil Mickelson as usual. And that's where I think the whole thing with the live comes into play, Sam. And I, I think like that... Uh, Pretty much, I would say, like a PGA conservative crowd. Uh, those that that you know generally think that the live wasn't good for the PGA, whether they know all the details or not. You know, you didn't see everybody get up. You know, you saw some people get up, but you didn't see everybody get up. So I think the question is, okay, it it was good for these live. You know, we'll, we'll just uh, go through it here. I mean, um, you got uh, one, two. 
three guys in the top um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, three of the top six scores at the Masters right. was live guys. Okay, so do you think it's going to rejuvenate the or reinvigorate the live tour, or is it just going to kind of reinvigorate th- these guys' careers when it comes to just general golf? Uh, I don't see the ratings for the live tour going up dramatically no, no. as a result of the success they had in the Masters. No, this it's still viewed as... as Less than as as secondary as I mean, obviously it's professional golf because it is some of the best golfers in the world. But I don't know that it'll ever be on that on that same level. If anything, it was the right time for it because this is when more people watch golf than ever. Even for any of the four majors, people watch the Masters. So to see that their favorite guys are are still getting it done, I, I guess it it I guess it keeps people interested. And in, you know, hey, he went over there. But he's still the same guy. I mean, I guess it it might bring people back to watch the other ones just to see if they can keep it up. But this does nothing for Liv, no. And the irony, you know, as surprising as this whole thing was with, you know, and I don't know how surprised you should be knowing that Kepka is now healthy uh, being, you know, there at the top. Uh, you know, with Mickelson has not played well. Uh, now he the, that's where the course knowledge really comes in for him. There, he, he, I mean, he, you know, he doesn't maybe know it as as well as Tiger does, but he's probably right there with him. Um, but then Patrick Reed, how about that? I mean, the most sinister uh, of all the live guys, right? Doesn't he have lawsuits with the Golf Channel, with different players? You know, all oh, these. Yeah. He, well, Rory McIlroy, they talked about being served uh, with a subpoena on Christmas Eve on or Christmas, something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the the most quote unquote sinister of them all, Patrick Reed, uh, made himself a run. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, a bunch of different storylines. Another one that can't go without being mentioned was, um, Jordan Spieth. Uh, my goodness, you know, he, uh, was like terrific in that last round. He, he and Mickelson were playing together. I, I'll tell you what, had, you know, Rom and Brooks been kind of closer to where they were, that would have been the most electric group on the course to watch was Spieth and Mickelson. Cause they were the ones making birdies. Uh, and again, they're two of the uh, most well-known guys. Okay, another uh, guy that has to be kicking himself is Victor Hovland. He was tied with Rom and Brooks after round one at minus seven, and man, he ends up the tournament uh, minus six. So in the final three rounds, and I know there was some tough weather in there, uh, he finished like you know one one over par uh, collectively because he 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 lost a stroke than he had. At the at the beginning, but um, you know, and then speaking of looking back to you know last Thursday in the first round, John Rahm hole number one, he four putts for a double bogey. So if if he just makes par on that instead of finishing minus twelve for the tournament, he find it he you know he he finishes minus fourteen. So uh, you know he won by four strokes. And I'm sure Kepka missed a, you know a few things too that you could say well if he hadn't missed this but it was so obvious when Rom four putts the very first hole in the tournament and goes to number two plus two and he still ends up winning the tournament by four shots uh, but I want to real quick uh, hit on like Kepka uh, you know Rom kept his mouth shut he's a winner but there was a lot of discussions about the pace of play of the group that were in front of them one of them was Hovland. And the other one was Patrick Cantley. 
And, you know, they, they, it seemed like Kepka was really ticked off. about. I mean, I think he said Rom went to the bathroom seven times or something like that, and we at no point, you know, uh, didn't have to wait despite that. Uh, I'm not sure John Rom, you know, is all that happy about, you know, Kepka counting how many trips to the porta potties. Well, they don't have those at the Masters. But anyway, uh, he could have made the point without mentioning about Rom going to the bathroom seven times, I'm sure. But anyway, the, there was a lot made of. Uh, it, it, you have some audio on this, right? This is Kepka talking about uh, the pace of play. Yeah, that group in front of us was brutally slow. I mean, I don't think. I mean, John went to the bathroom like seven times during the round, and we were still waiting. That was an upset, too. I would not have guessed that those guys do, I mean, over 18, I mean, I know I know 18 holes takes, you know, takes the entire day, but if you would have put the over-under at seven, I would have gone way under. Yeah, and who knows if there was some exaggeration in there or whatever, but I mean, there, there's a chance, I mean, they're probably drinking a ton of coffee before they get out there, and then they're like supposed to be drinking as much water as they can, but but what about you know the Cantley and his and his pace of play? That's what I mean. Yeah, there, there were a couple videos that came out where Victor, where uh, Cantley is going to hit Victor Hovland and his caddy are probably 50, 60, 70 yards down the hole already, and as soon as that ball gets in the air, they're already walking to the next shot. They wanted nothing to do by by the end of Sunday. And, I mean, that's something we can all relate to. By the end of the round, you're tired, it's hot, you don't want to be out there anymore, and then you got this guy who can't who can't just you know, stand over the ball, you hit it, and you move on. And, and Victor Hovland and his caddy both were just, it was, I, it was beautifully <coughs> passive-aggressive. It was great. It was great television. Well, not they weren't hot. They were they were grumpy. Or that too, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They they um, they they were grumpy, and there were cool temperatures yesterday. But thankfully, no, uh, you know, no rain. But yeah, as like Hovland was continuously waiting. In one occasion, he he even went ahead of of Cantley. You right. know, he got to his ball first, and he's like, "I'm not going to wait around, you know, for this whole ordeal. I'm just going to go ahead." and and um, and hit and and whatnot and so that you know that was not only annoying to Kepka but I think Rom uh, was even annoyed as well 